It's safe to say we strongly believe in the power of sharing stories, right, Tisha? Yes, and that's why we chose to have our stories published in actual books. If you or someone you know loves our show or is just looking for the connection we find when we hear another story, then any of our books would be the perfect gift. They really are. Each book is a collection of stories told by women for women on topics ranging from self-love to motherhood to the fact that none of us really have any clue what we are doing. You'll inevitably see yourself in each of them. Why not check some people off your gifting list now while supporting your two favorite podcast host. For more info on how to order, head to our website, www.nowwhatpod.com. Hi, I'm Jen, and I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that this podcast deals with the hard stuff in life. We share stories of trauma and triumph, and the subject matter may be alarming to some listeners. Please check the show notes for content warnings and take care of yourself. You're listening to Now What, a podcast where we celebrate the human spirit by sharing stories of strength and resilience. For those going through hard times or looking to get inspired to change their own life, we're your hosts, Jen and Tisha. Hi, I'm Jen and welcome back to Now What? And I'm Tisha. Thank you so much for listening. We are going to be joined today by Chelsea and this is going to be our second last episode of the season. Um, We've got this episode and then Jen and I are going to do a finale and we'll take a break and we'll see you back in January. So thank you so much for listening with us. Chelsea lives in Toronto. She is an artist. That is how she supports herself. And I don't want to necessarily tell you how we came to find Chelsea because I feel like that would give away too much of the story. So with that being said, welcome Chelsea. (laughs) Welcome Chelsea. Thank you for having me. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself other than You live in Toronto and you're an artist. I'm 25 years old. I'm an artist, aspiring tattoo artist. I play guitar. I do any and every kind of art. That's really the only way I can express myself. It's the thing that means the most to me in the world. Yeah. I don't know what else to say. That's (laughs) okay. That's that's great. Yeah. It's always weird. Like you always kind of feel put on the spot. I'm like, tell us about yourself. You're like, uh, do I have to? (laughs) That's me anyways. Yeah. Well, we are excited to have you here, and I guess we would love if you'd share with us and our listeners your story as, as you know, it kind of came to be over the last, just about a year. We're coming up on a year, right? Just about a year. Just yep. about a year. Yeah, it's uh, November 10th, so six days, it'll be the one year. Wow. So, and what is that, the one year of? The one year of the day that my ex-boyfriend tried to murder me I defended myself and he ended up losing his life so I got arrested for second degree murder and that night is when my life just completely flipped yeah yeah completely flips yeah was that so he attacked you just about a year ago first time that he ever was violent towards you or that you aggressive It was not. So he and I were in a relationship for, I'd say it was 10 months. Right. And um, he was never physical with me for the first nine. It was only until the 10th month when he started. And that was when he and I basically lived together. So I feel like it was kind of like in his head, it was like, oh, she's stuck now. She's here with me. She can't go anywhere. So that's when it started. It actually started the day that I moved. Wow. So I legitimately, and he was right. Like I didn't have anywhere to go after that because I was with him, left my place and all my stuff 
everything I owned, you know what I mean? So yeah. for, and it would happen um, every day to every other day. It was really a lot. Yeah. So from the first week, well, the first time that it happened, I wanted to leave, but couldn't physically financially could not right it would get progressively worse each and every time and there is a couple of them that are really bad it wasn't just like when you hear about a domestic obviously it's all bad but it wasn't like he'd slap me in the face he would headlock me he would punch me close fist he would use weapons so I ended up escaping after a month with the help of his friends we were separated for a month and a half and then he came back to me that night of the attack uh, just to talk. He wanted to talk. He wanted to apologize. And I just wanted some closure because I literally just got my stuff and left when he wasn't around. Right. His friends mm-hmm. helped me to get my things and they brought me somewhere safe. So I never had a closure. And all I wanted was an apology. And his message to me of an apology was basically a trap just to get me to come. So mm-hmm. the attack started when I was only maybe three three, four minutes inside that basement. It was almost instant. And was this was, um, you went to visit him at his house? He had told me that it was his friend's house that he was watching over, but it turned out to be one of his ex's houses. And I didn't know that it was, he lied to me obviously, but I figured it out when I was in there because I recognized a picture on the wall. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I figured it out pretty quick. So you went there to see him thinking maybe you're going to get some closure to this whole thing. And he assaulted you within you being there like three, four minutes. Yeah. That is wild. So I'm assuming you did not see that coming. No, I did not. Absolutely not. When I came in there, like he was drinking, like I saw a bunch of empty cans on the table and I was like, oh shit, he's drunk. And he's like, come chill out, come sit down, have a beer. And I'm like, no. I came here to talk. I didn't come here to chill out. And then when I noticed uh, some picture on the wall, something that looked familiar to an ex of his, that's when I realized, oh, this is this person's house. And I started to freak out a bit and I was trying to leave. And then he got, there was a archway that led to the stairs to leave. And he got in the way of the archway and would not let me leave. And the more I kept trying to leave, the more aggressive he got. And then eventually he just completely punched me in the face And that first punch uh, broke my nose. Like my nose started bleeding already. So once that happened, I kind of went back into, uh, it was like a deja vu of the things that he had done to me in the past. So that's when I knew I'm like, oh shit, this is really, really bad. I'm in this girl's place and he just did this. Mm -hmm. And that's when it started. I was in there for 25 minutes. Okay, 25 minutes. Now, so you went there on your own, like nobody dropped you off or? I went there on my own. Mm-hmm. right yeah. and did any of your friends or his friends know where you were or that you were like the people when I was driving there I had a feeling I, I was like I should let somebody know where I am so I just messaged one of my friends this address in Scarborough mm-hmm. and that was it and I said just in case mm-hmm. and that was right. it so during that 25 minutes he was assaulting you and you were trying to leave. I was, yeah, I was trying to leave. I tried to run three times. And then the fourth time is when I got away Mm -hmm. because he died. Yeah. Yeah. And he obviously, um, well, maybe not obviously, but he had a weapon. There was a knife. Yeah. 
Yeah. He, yeah. When I came there, I noticed, so this is kind of going to relate to something later in the story if I go into it in um, as much detail. But when I walked in there, I noticed a blow up mattress uh, leaning on the wall in the hallway. And I just thought that was weird. But later on, once I get into more of about the attack, mm-hmm. you'll see why I'm telling you this. Okay. So I'm just like processing this. I know it's, it's, it's a lot. It's, it is a lot. And I appreciate that you're sharing it with us. And, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about as, you know, we were getting ready to record this. And even I read the news articles about this is like, this is something you never expect is going to happen to you. And yet it actually is happening to so many women. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe not the exact, exact same thing, but so many women in abusive relationships or being assaulted by ex-boyfriends women being killed by their partners. I mean, mm-hmm. it happens. Yeah. And, um, but it's a lot and it's heavy. And like you said, I don't know. It's just like, you never imagine. Yeah. One thing I could say is I never, ever thought I'd ever find myself in a domestic relationship. I never thought I would ever find myself in that situation. And I always thought that if a man ever laid a hand on me, I'd leave right away. Like, why would a woman stay with a man like that? And you really don't know it until you're in it. Because it's not just a a quick like, oh, it happened and the girl stays. It's months and months and months of manipulation. And it's a mental thing. And building trust and, and, you know, getting you in a position where it's not so easy to just pick up and leave. Yeah. Which is exactly what happened to you. And I remember, so I went to school for social work and I remember learning in one of my courses that it's fairly common for women to be assaulted for the first time when they're pregnant. And it's for kind of that same reason because now they've got you, now you're stuck. Can't leave. Right. You can't leave. You're pregnant. So all up until then, like maybe it wasn't perfect, but they never actually physically assault them. So they kind of were training us that when we're dealing with pregnant women to kind of be aware that that is something that could be going on with people. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. That's sort of a, a side note, but are you comfortable talking more about the attack or is it Yeah, I am. To be honest, I haven't talked much about it. I only Mm -hmm. ever told the full story to my lawyer. And then that day that I went to make my statement on what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And since then, like I have been in therapy. Yeah. You know, I was seeing a therapist for a while and I can't even remember if I told her the full story or if I just tell her chunks of it, you know, during our discussions. But when it comes to me and my personal life my personal friends I don't think I've ever really sat there and told somebody the whole story as it happened I have told people chunks but mm-hmm. I also make it uh less gruesome, less, less gruesome than what it actually was because that's also a conversation when I think about the other person that's listening to it is like what do you even say to make this person feel better you know what I mean mm-hmm. and it's like I don't Sometimes I just don't want to put that conversation on somebody else because it's a lot to process. Yeah. And it makes the other person uncomfortable and then you feel responsible 
for their discomfort. Like this yeah. is something other topic, like in other topics and other podcast things that have come up that we've talked about with other guests too, is like we sugarcoat it or, you know, yeah. because, but I don't know. Jen looks like she wants to say something. I have thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a sugarcoater. Um, I mean, my personal experience isn't isn't quite as what I imagined to be graphically violent, but I don't know. I don't think it's not our like it's not a trauma. Someone who's recovering from a trauma's responsibility to worry about how their trauma makes someone else feel. I agree with that too. It's just that's the kind of person that I am. I'm so caring about other people. Mm-hmm. I totally I just, get it. And again, your yeah. your specific story, there's no disputing that there is a level of violence and graphic gruesomeness to it that, you know, doesn't yeah. exist in my own personal one. So it is, it's a different, yeah. it's a different thing. So, so that said, you can share it however you want to with us. If you want to like the nitty gritty, the real, real of it, if you want to, you know, whatever works for you. Yeah, we're like really no holds barred. So perfect, perfect. We'll see how it comes out. It probably will come out <laughs> nitty gritty. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. If it serves you, then that's great. Yeah. And to be fair, this is a podcast on people's experiences where their lives got flipped. So this is quite the story. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you were in there for three minutes and it started. He broke your nose. I mean, I can't, I can't even imagine rebounding from something like that. Just yeah, yeah. this one, he punched me really hard and I'm a really small person. So I'm five, three and I'm no more than a hundred pounds. He's six, five. He was over 200 pounds. So, wow. yeah. So that first punch, I think he actually even punched me twice, mm-hmm. broke my nose and I went like flying. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when he punched mm-hmm. me, my face ricocheted real hard. So I had that deja vu and I got my adrenaline started to come in. I'm like, oh shit, this is happening. And after that, he made me sit down on the couch. So I sat down on the couch and he sat down beside me and he starts talking. And as he's talking, he's punching me too. He's like holding me and he's punching me as he's talking. And he's telling me these complete and total delusions about what happened in our relationship. So he was talking about how I was cheating on him with his friends and how, I don't know, just a whole bunch of things that I never did, things that he actually did. Cause I ended up finding out he was cheating on me. He was doing a lot of drugs behind my back and he was accusing me of doing all these things. So once he started saying that, I realized I'm like, shit, this guy is completely delusional right now. So messed up, yeah. He's not in his right mind. Absolutely not. He's drunk. I'm in his ex-girlfriend's house. He just assaulted me and he's completely delusional. I'm like, what the hell is happening right now? And um, after a bit, a few more punches, I tried to run. I got up off the couch and I booked it towards that archway. But he's so tall. His arms are so long. He caught me really easy. Mm-hmm. so then he started to assault me again and this time brought me down to the floor and we started to wrestle for a bit you know he was grabbing my hair he was banging my head off the floor he was kicking me whenever he got the chance I was in a headlock it was just really really just I don't even know what the word is but it was pretty gruesome 
mm-hmm. and wow. then that went on and then he started to drag me to the wall and as he's dragging me to the wall he's banging my face on the floor while dragging me to the wall and then he throws me up on the wall and I remember one one of the bangs on the floor my face he banged me straight right right in the middle and I felt my lips split so he throws me on the wall and I sit down on the wall I like put my legs up he's like he sits down on the couch again and he tells me to take my shoes off and then he takes my shoes off for me and throws them I guess in his head me taking my shoes off would stop me from running I don't know um you won't go outside without your shoes on but yeah something like that yeah 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 that didn't work obviously but then he throws <laughs> me a beer and I crack what he's like here's your fucking beer and he starts talking some more more delusions um and then you must have been terrified I was so yeah. so I cracked up on my beer and I took a sip and I looked at the can and it was just completely covered, covered in blood so then and I saw on the floor I saw like on my shoes how much blood there was coming out of the floor I had a broken I had two broken fingers at the time from one of his previous assaults so I had a brace on my hand and I used to wrap it around in a little bandana because it would like slip so I took that bandana off and I like went like this and wiped my nose and I looked in it and there's just a pool and then I started to think to myself I'm like he's not gonna let me out looking like this he's this guy just completely fucked my face up and then I'm thinking I'm like there's a mattress in the hallway I'm like he's gonna hold me here he's gonna hold me here like that's gonna be my mattress that's what he's doing right now so this is where I start to think I'm like how the hell am I gonna get out of here and then he's talking he's kicking me I'm sitting down on the floor he's kicking me now with his shoes and uh he looks at me he leans in and he's like Chelsea this is your last night alive he's like you're gonna die tonight Chelsea just wait for somebody to come home. They're going to enjoy cutting you up and slitting your throat. And I'm going to be the one to bury you. And he has a little smirk oh. on his face. And he goes, yeah, you're going to die tonight. So then I'm sitting there and I'm like, fuck. In my head. No, actually, I was saying it. I'm like, fuck. Fuck. Like, I wasn't showing any fear to him. I didn't want him to think anything. Anything suspicious of me. I'm just like, fuck. And I'm thinking, I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm like, I have to get the hell out of here. So I look at my beer and I just toss it straight at him. I make sure the liquid goes on his face and then I run again. He catches me again. And now this time, this was the longest and the worst fight of the three. Mm-hmm. So this one, he, same thing. We were wrestling basically. This is the one where I really, really, really fought back like as hard as I could. Cause now you're having this thought, like he's actually telling you he's going to kill you he's and told you're thinking you, yeah. to yourself, he's not letting me out of here. Yeah. He told me he was going to kill me. And yeah. the way my face was, how much I was bleeding, he was, he was telling me the truth. He was going to do it. Yes, um, yes. Yeah. So this is so, this one was the worst. Um, I ended up getting a cracked rib. At one point he like put my head on the floor and he put his knee on my temple and like, he was trying to like pop my skull. Both of my eyes were hemorrhaged, like popped blood vessels from that one. I don't even know how I got out of that because I remember a buzz coming in. I remember seeing stars and everything going like dizzy, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't even know how I got out of that, but God bless I did. Yeah, I imagine some of it would be a blur. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That part for sure. This one I tried to fight back. 
I did really well. I was surprised at how strong I was, but that was the adrenaline kicking in. Mm-hmm. And when I'm under adrenaline, I get really, really calm and focused. So I really proud of myself for how I handled it, to be honest. After that, because there's just so much that went on in that one and it's pretty bad. Like I tried to, I don't know, do you want to know what I tried to do to get out yes. of it? Yeah. Okay. I was trying to, I was putting my hands on his face. I was trying to gouge his eyes. Eyes, yeah. But he was so tall and I'm so short. So my reach wasn't long enough. So all he had to do was just go back. Right. Right. But that was still enough to distract him a bit. You know, he was yeah. trying to take me. When we were wrestling on the floor, another thing that I tried to do was I was trying to grab his balls and pop them. (laughs) But his pants were low, so I couldn't get a good grip. And he kept like jerking back. But I was fighting really hard. Um, Anything you could think of. Yeah. At that, I mean, well, and when, when you're dealing with somebody who's so much bigger and so much stronger than you, you have to go for those like really sensitive areas. You have to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm already so weak at this point. It's like, what am, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There was a pot on the floor. I took the pot and I started like banging him from behind. Yeah. Um, and then every time he was trying to put me in a headlock piece, because I know this because I uh, took boxing classes before and I've roughed house with my friends and they teach me things too. Whenever someone tries to put you in a headlock, they always put your chin down. So I was doing that constantly. So the headlock thing didn't work that much for him he ended up getting extremely, extremely tired, surprisingly. So he stopped and he lifted me up. He pushed me. He said, get on the couch. He's like, lie down on your stomach. And when I'm walking to the couch, I see a knife right there. And I'm like, oh, this is it. I'm like, I need that. So I was wearing my winter jacket at that time. It's pretty puffy. So I covered, like I said, he wanted me to lay down on my stomach. I covered the knife with my hand. And I slid up on the couch. So I had it underneath my hand the whole time. I don't know how he didn't see it, but he did it. So when I'm on the couch, I'm like, all right, I'm like, I need to do this. So I start to make a bunch of moaning noises. And as I'm flipping the blade out, right, to cover up any sound that would happen. So I'm making some noises, like I'm in pain and the blade's out. I'm like, okay. And I turn it around so that the blade's sticking out from like, the other side of my hand and then I go up on my forearms and I start peeking behind me to try and see because he's he laid down on top of me I forgot to mention that he's he laid down on top of me so you're on your stomach and he laid down he's got you pinned you. down he's got me pinned down yeah I'm here cracked rib really small person he's 200 pounds six five on top of me right um I go up on my forearms and I start peeking behind me to try and see where he's laying on me and that pissed him off so he's like, stop moving. So he takes my head and starts banging it on the couch. But there's a pillow there, so it's not hurting. Then he finds a scarf and he takes the scarf and he puts the scarf over my head, over my eyes, over my mouth and onto my neck. And he starts to pull up and squeeze. I'm like, OK, this is it. This is it. So I strike back and I get him. And he's like, ah, you stabbed me. Which is weird. It's like, why are you surprised, first of all? <laughs> like so I bring the knife back and then we start to fight for it right in front of my face I'm watching everything as it's happening it's literally this far away so I watch the knife go into my hand and cut it open I watch it cut my palm and then he's getting it away from me because he's pretty strong so I make the decision to take my left hand 
and grip the blade. Like I, it was a conscious decision in my head. It's like, okay, I'm giving up my left hand right now. I'll figure it out later. So I grip the blade and as I'm gripping the blade, obviously it's cutting my hand. And then I start to feel his body go weak, 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 weak. And then he goes dead weight and I push him off. I push him onto the floor. I stumble up and then he yelled something to me as I stood up and started running away. And I will never, ever forget this. And it's, I can't even believe that this was real. But as I'm running away and he's on the floor and he's bleeding out, he yells out, Chelsea, I love you. What? Of all the things to say. Yeah. Like, this is love. Yeah. <laughs> right now? Blows my mind. It's like, legitimately, it's out of a movie. I mean, but it's all yes, of it. But yeah. it's, it really happened to you. But it really happened. Mm-hmm. so I just ran I left I have a feeling that that was something that he said to make me come back to him to help him to help him yeah probably mm-hmm. maybe so then he could finish you know yeah. like or he can keep trying right but yeah so I, I left I made it out went up that basement went up those stairs made it out of that basement mm-hmm. yeah mm. And you ran for help. And I ran for help. That's See, right. first, I didn't even think about getting help. I just wanted to drive myself to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I was thinking, I'm like, shit, okay, I got to go to the hospital. I'm like, shit, my keys are downstairs. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, he robbed me at one point. I forgot to say when he was making me go and lay down on the couch, he took everything out of my pockets and he threw them on the couch, my phone, my keys, my money, everything. And I'm like, so when I'm outside stumbling to the car, I'm like, shit, my keys are outside or inside. And I'm like, shit, my phone's downstairs. Like, I can't even call the ambulance. And, so. and like, let's paint the picture for people listening. You were in, like, a suburban neighborhood. Yeah. There's yeah. nobody around, typically, like, <laughs> at night. Yeah. Quiet neighborhood from yeah. what I could tell. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it was, like, it wasn't even 12 a.m. And the first house I went to didn't answer the door because they were sleeping. They didn't hear it. Yep. Wow, I didn't. Um, so this this sleepy little neighborhood is my neighborhood. This is where I live. I'm like right next um, to where I live. Oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah. So. Um, so you know exactly which house this was. Yeah, I know where this happened. Yeah. Um, we, we actually, how we heard about your story was because we know the family whose house who helped you. They are the sweetest people. Yes, I am so glad I stumbled onto their door of all people. To be honest, they're the greatest. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, what was going? I mean, I imagine at that point you're just trying to get yourself to safety. You're not even probably thinking about him or. Yeah, I was trying to get myself to the hospital because I saw how much I was leaking, Mm -hmm. and my hands, both of my hands were retarded. Like, oh. He was biting me the whole time. He was biting me. My, my left hand was covered in bite marks. He bit my head. He bit my ear. Like he might Tyson me. He bit my ear. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, my main concern was my hands because I'm an artist. You're and an this artist. is what I yeah. love to do. Like I said in my intro, like this art is my life. And mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure my hands would be okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I was also... Uh, 
I was really concerned about my grandfather's car. Like I want, I really wanted to return because I drove my grandfather's car there. I really wanted to return my grandfather's car. I was like, oh my God, he's going to be so mad at me. It's like my family's going to be so mad at me. That's what was going through my head. It's the things we fixate on, right? When we're in shock. Yeah. I thought my family was going to be so mad. Even at the hospital, I kept asking, like, did someone call my grandpa? Let him know the car's okay. Like, is the car okay? It's like, my family's going to be so mad. I was crying to the nurses. Yeah. Meanwhile, like, grandpa's really probably just more concerned about you yeah. <laughs> than he is about his car. <laughs> yeah. But that's what was going through my head. And then also, like, uh, I wanted to make sure I didn't have any neurological damage because he did squeeze down my skull with his knee. And I had a lot of head trauma. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure I'd be all right in the future. I mean, just from what you're describing, it really is remarkable that you made it out of that basement. Yeah, yeah it is. It really is. Like it's- the amount of strength that you were able to tap into to continue to fight back is, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it, it shows that like, you just never know what you have in you until you're forced to like, it's true show it you know yeah fight or flight and I'm fight you never know until you're in that situation no I remember reading the newspaper articles like the next day because this was Mm. this was in the news (laughs) and it's very at that point they weren't saying that this was self-defense or anything it was just very like these are the facts I was like a woman killed a man that's unusual and there was like this immediate I think kind of knowing that I imagine a lot of other women had when they saw that that I immediately was like I bet you she he attacked her and Mm -hmm. she won Mm -hmm. and I was right (laughs) (laughs) because you don't usually see it the other way around so you're like you know as someone who was not involved and didn't know either of you just look, looking at the facts in these papers like okay yeah and you are you're healthy now and you're still doing art so we know that you healed from all of that mm-hmm. exactly um, anyway but then as you also said kind of in the beginning is that you ended up being charged I was charged when I was laying down on the floor I was gonna say when um because you went to the neighbors and they, they helped you. When did the police show up? When, like, you know, wh- what happened next? So I needed the ambulance. And me, the compassionate person that I am, <laughs> told the police that there's a man in that basement that also needs an ambulance. Because I didn't know that he died. Right. Mm-hmm. And I said, he needs an ambulance. He's in the basement here. Me telling him that is what got me charged with murder. I was trying to help him still. Right. So I was charged when I was laying there bleeding. They charged me. They didn't put me in cuffs because I needed medical. I I seriously need to go to the hospital. But I was charged from there right away. And as soon as I was charged, I was like, I'm not saying nothing to anybody. I'm not talking at all because this is messed up. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine you fight for your life after all that you just endured to have charges laid against you. Right. Were you ever incarcerated? Yeah. This happened Monday night. I was in Vanier, detention center for women, Tuesday night. 
I made it to Vanier real quick. Wow. Yeah. So I was in the hospital for a bit. They discharged me from hospital. They took me straight to a police station in Scarborough where homicide wanted to question me. I said, I got nothing to say. I got nothing to say. I got nothing to say. From there, they just took me to Vanier. Wow. I had to be taken to my cell in a wheelchair because I was so. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Like you like that the repeated head trauma that you suffered in, in yeah. those 25 minutes. Like there's no, I mean, that you were even let out of the hospital is insane. Yeah. And they confiscated all of my clothes at the hospital. They took my socks even. So I was like barefoot. Like you're a criminal. Foot. Yeah. Yeah. They brought me out. They, they were taking me from car to the van to the station to whatever. I'm barefoot, you know? In November, like, in November in Canada. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you, you, how long were you at the detention center for? I was there for like three, three and a half weeks, I think it was. I went straight to the loony bin where they sent me and I was there for eight days. I mean, the reason that I was in the loony bin is because uh, they had medical, like proper medical for me. So that's why I was there. So imagine like jail is loud, but the mental health assessment unit is loud. So yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah. It's like a whole other level. I'm oh, yeah. sure. Oh yeah. It's, oh, I didn't no. sleep. Right. On top of that, I was on head watch. So they had to wake me up every 20 minutes until right. I was off head watch. So for eight days, I didn't sleep. And it really does mess with you mentally. Oh, yeah. Sleep. Yeah. You, you ask any mother with a newborn, she'll tell you what being <laughs> frequently does to you. Oh, yeah. It's rough. Yeah. And, and that's just when you- not just like one bad night. One bad night is like you can recover from, but it's like you said, it was eight days. So it's like night after night of not. And being able to sleep and, and your mind. body's healing. So it mm-hmm. needs to rest. Mm-hmm. Um, and Crazy. we're not even touching on like the mental and emotional the trauma toll of it. that the trauma has taken too. Yeah, a lot. Like on top of the assault itself, then it's the mental and the, it's more mental than emotional it was. It was the mental trauma of knowing that I've been charged with murder and I'm facing life in prison. But also that, you almost died that yeah. this person who I had loved oh yeah that trust yeah. it like I mean <laughs> that's got to do something yeah 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 that, that <laughs> definitely did something that's the one that sticks with me to this day that's what was taken away from me that I'm trying to get back but it's very hard is the trust in people to trust people yeah mm-hmm. to open up to open up myself to somebody right that's yeah, yeah. to this day that I'm still coping with that I have issues with yeah I would imagine that anybody in a similar situation would have like a similar response that just that makes sense mm-hmm. right For like a really <laughs> long time I didn't like being touched like I didn't like people mm-hmm. even just like tapping me on the arm. I only just started like giving people hugs again, maybe like a month or two ago. It feels right. nice. Hugs are nice. Yeah. Hugs are good. Yeah, yeah, I miss those. <laughs> but it makes sense that you wouldn't want mm-hmm. to do that. 
Like, again, even though you had, you know, lived with a month of assault from this person prior to this happening, it's just like, why, why should you trust anybody touching you? Exactly. I mean, really? So yeah. you, were, you were in, you were in jail and the mental unit for three and a half, four weeks. No, no, and, eight oh. days. And then well, I the went mental to, unit and then back to jail. That's right. And then I went to the, to max to range on max. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then um, they brought me down to medium, but I was only in medium, I think for one or two days before I, I ended up getting my bail hearing and getting bail. I actually got bail the same day of my bail hearing, which was very nice. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect that. So that was good. I was mentally prepped to be in jail before I got bail for maybe like three months. Like, is this what your lawyer was telling you to anticipate or? No, no. My lawyer was telling me I'd be home before Christmas. Right. But in my head, I'm like, well, I did do it. Like, this is what happened from my action. Why? Why would they do this? Why would they let me out? Why would Mm -hmm. they make the decision so quick? So I was just mentally prepping myself for worst case. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was in the mode. I was in like, I went straight into like jail mode. You know what I mean? So it was a very nice surprise to come home. Yeah, it's interesting just to hear. I don't know. It just struck me when you said, like, I did do it. Did you feel guilty about what happened? No. Okay. He was he was just hearing you say that I was like, I hope she doesn't like, (laughs) I don't know, like think that she was gonna deserve to go to jail. No, I knew I didn't deserve to go to jail, but it's the Canadian law. You know, there's no self-defense laws here. So I was trying to say, trying to think, how are they going to play this out in court? There are no self-defense then, laws here. No. I'm an like, American living in Canada. So that's oh, why. Yeah. no, there's no self-defense laws. That's oh. why. Wow. Yeah. In, in my head, I thought, I was like, okay, I'm not going to get charged with second degree murder because I'm not a murderer. But what might happen is I get charged with manslaughter. And I'm like, okay, manslaughter, 10-year sentence, we have parole after two-thirds, I'll be in for six years. That's what I thought because of the laws and how they worked. And I just thought for me to be charged right away on scene without any sort of, you know, assessment, the Crown has to approve me being arrested. I was like, what are they trying to do right now? You know? Well, and it's also got to be your, like, the 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 broken like or the trust issues kicking in and then the fact that literally you were like let's be real practically fighting for your life and they you know would have slapped you in cuffs if they had been able to yeah like why should you believe that anything would go easy when when exactly like instantly from the second the services were called you were charged exactly I had no trust in it no trust yeah in it. I mean that mm-hmm. makes to me that makes sense at least in retrospect so you got bail you were home in time for Christmas yes which is great but then you still had to go back to court right yeah court was uh my lawyer was going to court for me oh, okay yeah but there was still a number of court dates mm-hmm. but you did not have to go no me physically I didn't have to go up until uh I forget, I forget the legal words, but no, me physically during that time, I didn't have to go. My lawyer just constantly updated me. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, so you're home, 
this stuff is happening over here. And then what is going on for you in this period? Like, are you trying to like, are you, are you still working? Are you still like, what, what, what's going on? Like, what are you doing? I wasn't working. I was definitely not in the mind space to work. I mean, I Mm -hmm. couldn't imagine that you would be, but this is when my trust issues really, really kicked in because my trust issues were kicking in with my family. My trust issues were kicking in with my friends, like my closest friends. I was like, I don't know, like one thing wouldn't go my way. And I'd be like, oh, you guys are, um, you guys are labeling me as a murderer already. Like, meanwhile, nobody ever doubted me for a second. And it was just my head thinking that people are judging me and people are pulling away from me and but it wasn't happening like I had the utmost support things were a little hard at home because of my mental state but Mm -hmm. for the most part my family was very considerate of that so whenever I'd lash out or break down they'd let me because they couldn't even even fathom what I had gone through so they just let me express it in any way that it came out Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's good that you had that because a lot of people who've been traumatized their families don't understand when they're lashing out or breaking down yeah um because it's not something people talk about or that's shown or that's really understood widely yeah um So I'm glad, like, that makes me happy that they were giving you that space to kind of work through it, work through it. Right. And my friends too, like they were so supportive. They would check on me um, for new year's. Cause like I had a curfew. I couldn't leave the house for new year's. Like I'd FaceTime them while they're at their little house party for New Year's and I'd have New Year's with them over the phone and stuff like that. Anything I needed, groceries, cigarettes, anything I needed, they'd bring to me, you know, um, even if I just needed to talk, they'd come and check me and like, you know, yeah, just things like that. And I'm forever grateful. If I didn't have such great friends, I probably wouldn't be as I mean I'm not stable now I'll be honest I'm not that stable right now still (laughs) but I would probably be way worse than what I am right now you mean a year has passed and you're not like healed and ready to go (laughs) fucking (laughs) that's just like I feel like a, a stigma of dealing with loss and trauma and all of it that like you know once a year is over you're good um and that's just and meanwhile this stuff sticks with us for that's not real that's not Mm -hmm. real it's not real life it's not reality it's um you know I think it's amazing that you're here right now and that you're able to talk about this with us and you know Mm -hmm. I I think like I'm still reeling a little bit from all that you dealt with in that short span of time yeah, and, it's a lot of process. You know, it's it, like, I, I can't even imagine. Well, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I'm try. I, I don't know. I'd like to try to put myself in your position. And I will say that obviously I know I can't 
completely understand, but there's a lot going on here, right? Like you almost lost your life. You you're facing life imprisonment. I imagine there's like legal bills. You're not able to work. Like there is just so much happening. You can't go out and like do the things you normally would have done. Like you have a curfew. You're 20. Were you 24 when this happened? I was 24 when this happened. You're a 24 year old woman. You go out with your friends. Like that's what you do right on the weekends. And yeah, you stay out. Like when I was 24, I didn't even go out until 10 or 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm a night owl. Right? So like, I come alive yeah. in the nighttime. Yeah. Yeah. And then what was your curfew? My curfew was 10. Yeah. But it was just not that bad. I was still able to do something. Like I'd see my friends for maybe an hour or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but whenever I'd see my friends, they made sure to keep it small. No people I didn't know, you know, just a one, two people here and there. Like mm-hmm. they did it very well. Did you find it hard to be in? larger groups or crowds after this oh yeah holy every time I'm in, I'm in a large group and still to this day even I'm just scanning like every single face that's there I'm just looking and it makes me a little uncomfortable because I'm the kind of person where if I go to a bar I like to sit in the corner so I could see the entire room mm-hmm. and being in a group of really really large people starts to give me anxiety like I've stayed in survival mode you know yeah. how I, yeah. I haven't gotten out of that yet I'm still in it it's weird and I only realized that maybe a few weeks ago well I think also just by nature of this time we're living in where you're not I mean definitely like things have have opened up more and we're seeing more people and all of that but yeah. just living in that in general I think there's like a re-entry period and what you went through was like literally right before here in Ontario, everything like kind of shut down again. So like you're at home and you really are, you're only able to do so much anyway. Oh no, that made me feel so much better. No, it did. That's, but that's <laughs> what I mean. I'm sure, I'm sure it did. I'm sure it was yeah. really great. For Cause you. then you were missing out on as much. Yeah, yeah. But now, like, so, I but can't like, go out. No one else can either. Okay. But, but, that just, but it dragged out you like being able to avoid those situations. Right. And like, yeah. you know, it just kind of, I think compounds it and exacerbates it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. know, those feelings of being out and about like, so my personal story, um, my husband was killed at work. It was, he worked in the film industry. It was all over the news for like a week. So I didn't like going places cause I didn't want people to like, look at me. And I didn't want to be in big groups of people. And I just am curious because obviously this was in the news fairly, like even more so just because you had, there were the court dates and things like that. Like there was more potentially to follow up on. Did that piece of it, that media piece of it impact you at all? Oh yeah. I was so angry at the media. I was so mad that they released it in the way that they released it. Mm -hmm. And there was my anger towards the media for that. And then there was a lot of buzz on the internet too, because there's a whole, there's the people that support me, but then there's also another side that mm-hmm. completely hates me. Well, he has a family and friends. And I mean, to, to believe that, to believe yeah. the things that you told us that he did 
that this yeah. person that they knew and loved did. I'm sure that yeah. that would elicit some feelings. Absolutely. And they, there was a lot of slurring online. Like my, my profiles were screenshot and blasted. This is the girl, blah, blah, blah. They just slur me completely defamation. And then, uh, at one point too, I got my disclosure and I was reading the statements people made on me. And it was, I had never met these people before too, mind you. And it's just mm-hmm. all complete and total lies. So, so that it's stuff one, that he had told them, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was just messing with me a lot too, that this is what's in the police, the statements that people are making on me. It's like, this is not true. Like, what are you guys talking about? Right. Cause like, murder trials are a lot about public opinion as well like it 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 has something to do with it mm-hmm. right so if i was being slurred so much online and like the media reports didn't mention anything about how his attack on me i was like how are people going to perceive this you know how is it right if it goes mm-hmm. to trial how is a jury going to think about me because of all the things that are being said online before you know they could get an impression first so yeah that was a stressor too i'm sure yeah no it, me- it messes with you oh yeah um you're working with a therapist now yeah i was for a while up until i think maybe may she's amazing so she helped me out a lot and uh i'm gonna start again i actually just messaged her today <laughs> yeah she's great yeah, yeah. therapy is great for me I think, well, yeah. I think I, I operate under the mind that everybody needs it sometimes. It's a yeah. tool that we should always go back to, like we, at different points in our lives, whether we've dealt with something as like, you know, obviously traumatic as what you have or not. Mm-hmm. Um, There's no shame in it. You yeah. know, some people think like, oh, you're going to a shrink. No, I'm, my therapist is amazing. Even for somebody that hasn't gone through a trauma, if you're extremely stressed or you have anxiety or anything like that, it's so good to talk to somebody that's able to understand it, able to look at it from a third person point of view, mm-hmm. you know, help you figure out where it's coming from and help you through it. Yeah. And just that safe space where like you for can sure. say, mm-hmm. you know, all the things. And as you said, like you still, you know, there are things that you're still working through absolutely right like being around large groups of people learning to trust other people again feeling like you're in survival mode all of that like those are things that therapists can help you with yeah for sure (laughs) and other people with right I mean it's you're not the only one I guess but it's still it's uh, like a year later you know I have Mm -hmm. grown a lot obviously and I I'm proud of myself for how much I've healed but a year later, I'll be completely transparent. I'm still coping with it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it took me a really long time to process. And it's not a process of what I had to do because I don't regret defending my life and I never will. But the thing that I think people forget is I know what it feels like to be murdered because I was seconds away from being killed. Mm-hmm. That's the part that took me a long time to process and that's the part that I'm coping with is that specific mm-hmm. part the other yeah. part I deal with and like just the the fear that you felt and the violence that you witnessed like that was being experienced yeah that you experienced is going to be 
it's going to have an impact on you, of course. One thing that I want to say about fear, though, is the only reason that I made it out is because I felt fear. Yeah. You can only be brave if you're fearful. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. Like you were so scared. I was scared. It's what like allowed you to kind of tap into that strength that I I'm like referenced before. I think. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was it. And so there is like Jen was touching upon before. I think there is this whole thing in our society where we think like something bad happened and like after a year it's all going to be better, and that's not necessarily that's not the case. It's not really the reality of how it works. So. I wouldn't ex- like you're like you know it's a year later and I'll be honest I mean I would kind of expect that a year later not only would I think that you might still be struggling with some things but I also wonder if like coming up on that year anniversary if that's bringing a lot of stuff up as it well is. it is mm-hmm. do you uh, this is like a, a personal question like based on again my own experiences with trauma like when that date is coming up I like feel it in my body like without even realizing it kind of where I was yeah in that That's moment like yeah I even remember the day that I left him when I escaped the relationship mm-hmm. in the beginning of October and I felt it that day. I was like, oh, I was like, this is the day that it started. Mm-hmm. This is the day mm-hmm. that I left him. His anger built up towards me. His plan to do whatever started in this period of time. I'm like, this is when it was happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that even brought up something. So it's going to be in six days at the, yeah. at the night. So this episode is going to air on... November 17th which is yeah. like then a day a day after yeah yeah so this is the day you were being taken to so I, yeah that was the day I was still technically I was still in the house like that I escaped to after 12 a.m so mm-hmm. yes so. right yeah. so you escaped <laughs> on the 17th so I escaped on the 16th on but the 16th. I was okay. still I was still uh there on the 17th 17th. got it well so that's when this will be releasing um have you like I don't know some people who have like lived with traumas and or lived through traumas that have like they do something on those days I don't like to call them anniversaries because that implies celebration um although there is an element of like you not having been incarcerated you being here you being alive that I would argue does cause for some sort of honoring. Um, Do you have any, like, do you have you, do you have plans for the day? Are you doing something with family or friends like to get your mind off of things? I am so happy that you said that because yes, I was planning on doing something and I thought it was weird for me to do it on the day that it happened. But if it's a common thing for people that have experienced trauma to do, then. I think everybody has their own ways of dealing with it. Right. Like, um, I, I'm remembering um, Kaylee, this this guest that we had where she, she delivered her baby and she was basically dead. And like the day before his birthday, they do she does something for her. Yeah. You know, oh, like they light nice. candles and like whatever. Or they did the first year anyway, um, yeah. you know, and yeah. we, we do something, you know, uh, for my husband every <laughs> year. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, I think I, I, it just everybody has a different take on it. So I, and you know, 
who knows how you'll feel on the day. You yeah. Never, it's one of those things you can't ever know, but I guess and that's I like the day I, so I, I'm a cancer survivor and the anniversary of the day I was diagnosed, like I spend it in bed. Like that is my plan. <laughs> I think, and but yeah. because it's, it's a hard day for me to remember what happened on that date. Um, it just feels really heavy. And, but I think honoring sort of what feels right for you. Totally. You know what I mean? Like, and for some people, and I'm thinking for other people who are listening that have experienced trauma and these dates come up, like for some people it's heavy and you need to rest and maybe you don't want to socialize. And for other people, maybe you do want to do something to honor the date. Right. I think it's varies for everyone and depending on the situation, but if you were inclined to do something on that day, you do it. Oh, I will. I have an, I know <laughs> I mean, what I'm going to do. Like I'm, I'm like sitting here. Are you going to get a tattoo? No, <laughs> I can do that any other day. Well, I know you can, but like, as a, as a, like, we're looking at you and obviously and you're a tattoo artist or, or working to be one, um, you never know. But my own perspective on it is like, you fucking fought back and survived. Like that deserves something. You're pretty mm-hmm. badass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I know you didn't go. I know you. Don't, this is not how you want to be seen as badass, but you are. Who said so? <laughs> I like that word. No, <laughs> no, no. It's good to be badass. It probably wouldn't have. I mean, you wouldn't want to have had wanted to go through this experience for people to see you that way. I mean. Hey, you know what? It is what it is at the end of the day, right? And I'm so grateful that I'm not the one that lost my life. And I don't know how this is going to come out when I say it, but I do feel like I helped another woman in the future. I Mm -hmm. feel like, I don't know how that's going to sound, but I feel like I saved somebody else. I obviously don't know this person, but you know, kind of know enough about abusive men to probably say that you weren't the first woman that he ever hurt and you you probably weren't going to be the last yeah um unless he was in jail for your murder unless he was in jail for my murder right (laughs) right we don't want which is not is not the alternative you want either absolutely not like there's no and like there's no winner really does that make sense it it makes sense because like at the end of the day too it's like yeah my charges were dropped I I won I beat the case did I did I really did I get an apology it was just like oh sorry you were innocent my bad charges dropped and then go on and live your life yeah it's like oh thanks like what what do I do from here how do I heal from this from here how does my family heal from this from here how does the finances heal from here now what it's it's a struggle it's it's been a struggle for all of us so I don't get that yeah all of those things I mean how do you heal from here yeah did the courts offer me anything no my lawyer found my lawyer gave me his therapist connection Mm -hmm. you know the courts didn't do anything. The police well, never do you know what this me. is? This is all bringing back to me when we um, we interviewed Mal, and it was a girl who was assaulted by her boyfriend, sexually mm-hmm. assaulted by her boyfriend, and um, 
we got onto the this idea of like the failure of the systems and how even for like boys to grow into men who do these kinds of things, there was a break somewhere in the system, like something failed them. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause you don't, you're, a, a child isn't just like, I have two little boys. I don't look at them. You don't look at, nobody looks at them and says, Oh, they're going to grow up and be an abusive man. Like, right. Mm-hmm. There's something that there was a disconnect or a break in the system that happened and that, that allows that to happen. And then it's perpetuated even through what you dealt with, with the courts. Like, yeah, you were cleared, but then it was like, okay, we're done with you. On to the next one. They we- re-victimized the victim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By, doing what they, by doing that. And I understand why it happened because I have an understanding of the law and how the law works. Mm-hmm. But just because it's the law doesn't mean that it's right. No. Yeah. Right. Under the law, they have to do their due diligence. They have to do this investigation. I mean- in a log- from a logical point of view, I understand it, mm-hmm. but from an emotional point of view, you're like, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Just right. You know, like, like humanity kind of thing. It's like anybody, like even the night that that happened, they're going to look at you and look at him and think, oh yeah, like this for sure. She should go to jail. Like, yeah, your common sense couldn't exactly. see this guy is six, five and 200 pounds. Yeah. One stab wound, mind you, I stabbed him once. And then there's me completely beaten to shit. Mm-hmm. Where was the common sense right there? You know, it doesn't take a genius to realize, to recognize what happened. Right. Yeah. Or to at least see that there's more than one way that things could have gone. Yeah. So when this happened, I read the articles because I don't know, you know, I live in a sleepy little community and something like this happens and everybody's talking about it. And I do also remember when you were cleared reading an article that said something along the lines of it being one of the most clear cut cases of self-defense they've one ever the, seen. One of the strongest cases of self-defense I've seen in 30 years. Is that the quote? There you go. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> That is the I would hold on to that if I were you too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a great one. The, um, the reporter for the Toronto Star, uh, her name was Alicia Hasham. She did a fantastic job listening to me and then reiterating my story into a readable article. Mm-hmm. And that's something I really appreciated because there was no coverage of my charges being dropped. So I was very angry at the media. They just released my name completely. Um, and then if you search my name, it still shows up as Chelsea R. Caracas was charged with second degree murder, right? So there was nothing to clear my name on the internet. And I was thinking future jobs, you know, anybody yeah. that could pull me, you know, like- You go for a job interview, they're Googling you. Of course exactly. they are. Yeah. So <laughs> they're going to see just my charges. They're not going to see that they've been dropped. What is that, right? Well, because then yeah, they're going to have to read several articles first. But but the the charges being dropped is is isn't very salacious. It's not exciting. It's not as it's not selling papers. No. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. Which is messed up. That's not like that. That doesn't mean that it shouldn't you know have been covered. But that's yeah. the really effed up you know way that the news media works you know how she found it she said she was just going through court files 
and she noticed that the charges were dropped so she wanted to ask me what happened mm-hmm. um so it's not like it was ever talked about right she just happened to stumble upon it on the, the case yeah yeah so then once I told her the story she was like oh my god mm-hmm. I need to print this <laughs> like yeah that's amazing crazy. So when that, did that article come out that oh like back in the spring or whatever the article came out in may okay and my charges were dropped in march at the end of march Mm -hmm. i mean that's a little bit of a delay i mean thankfully it happened at all it sounds like but did you need to do like physical therapy or anything like to help with your your hands or anything like that no so this is where the miracles really come into play because like i said like this hand was cut open um i was able to see the ligaments fun fact they're white but the blade there's two in your finger right here and the blade went clean through like in between them wow so it didn't didn't cut them yeah so even the surgeon he was looking at it he's like this is like a miracle right now he's like you don't need surgery for this and I was like, cool, thank God. <laughs> right. Because um, your hands are your livelihood. Yeah. And then uh, the fingers, my fingers in my right hand, they were both fractured um, before this fight. From right. Him. And probably made worse during it. Yeah. I, I was nervous that it made it worse. Um, they both healed fine. I don't have any pain. No neurological damage. My My eyes have a tiny prescription, but not even enough for glasses so that's good so yeah it's it's just crazy I'm my friends call me Wolverine (laughs) (laughs) my sons would appreciate that I like it (laughs) what I mean what is something that you would hope that someone listening would take from you know hearing your story oh my goodness a lot red flags there's always red flags. There were a lot of red flags that I was ignoring during the relationship. And one of the big ones is gaslighting and jealousy. If your gut tells you something, I think you should listen to it and don't make excuses for someone else's behavior. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. definitely something that I uh, did. I made excuses for his behavior and I thought he was just very insecure and I needed to make him feel more secure and uh he was very jealous he constantly accused me of cheating when I never did so it it became so ridiculous his accusations that I didn't even take it serious that's a huge red flag and once the hand comes on you the first time leave because it will always get worse it will Mm -hmm. they don't stop it's manipulation and it's seeing how much you'll take from them. Right. So if they see that you're handling it, they're going to keep giving you more and more and more and more. And I just want any woman that's going through something like this, if she's going through something like this right now, just as a reminder to be strong because you can get out of it. Mm-hmm. I would absolutely never, ever wish for anybody to go through something that I did to in any way but you can get out of it and it doesn't have to get to the extreme point that I did for me you can get out of it and get out of it when you can mm-hmm. that's don't go back alone 
Oh yeah, don't go back alone. That that's that's my own personal uh, oh, yeah. takeaway. Just don't go back in general. Oh, general, de- yeah. definitely. Just, but if, if just in general, take it from me. You look, you look back, and you're like, I should have left the first time he hit me. But as you said, like, there's so many reasons that keep people in because they feel dependent on that person. Or as you said, they make excuses for the behavior. He was having a bad day. I did something that to upset him. Oh, if I can just build up his confidence, then he'll, Hmm. he'll heal. And then this will stop. I mean, another pattern. Sorry. I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but I really, really really want to say this one because another pattern that happens is once they, they hit you or do whatever, it's not like it's, just a storm from then on they're gonna be or he was at least so sorry and he would shower me with gifts and he'd give me foot massages and he'd be so sweet and so apologetic mm-hmm. so he did it again until he did it again and he did it worse but then he'd be even nicer right. you know it's up and down up and down up and down did your friends or family or his friends and family suspect something was going on? Near the end of it, his friends suspected it. and Because yeah, um, they're the ones who helped you. They're the ones who helped me, yeah. Um, leave him, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, my friends know because I, I moved to a different city with him. So I didn't even have my friends around. Those, he, 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 he got me away, you know? Right. But my friends were his friends. Right. Which is part of the MO. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's a common thing that you hear. Right. Yeah. Uh, that is, I mean, it's an incredible, unfortunate story that you went through that. But so glad you're here. And yes. that you are the badass that you are. Yes. And I just wanted to say, you know, you were worried about kind of the media portrayal and how people were going to see it. And there were probably a lot more people like me were like, I fucking hope she fucking got it. Like there was just, I know it sounds so harsh, but there was just part of me. I read it and I was like, yes. Like that we're cheering you on that was like, hell yes, she fucking, she got him. Like she she won. I had an overwhelming amount of support once that article came out. Yeah. Overwhelming. I had to leave the city. I went camping for like a day or two. (laughs) I went so so far that I had no service on my phone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Um, Thank you so much for, um, trusting us with your story and and for sharing so vulnerably yeah Yeah. thank you for having me it was actually very um it was a nice release to be able to tell the story especially so close to the day because I've been having the anxiety about it yeah it's very nice to be able to tell it to people that want to hear it yeah well and hopefully it kind of like helped you release a little bit and you know it did Well, that's amazing. Thanks for listening to Now What? If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with someone you think would love it. Until next time, remember, your hard times are the chance to write another chapter.